0: Hello and welcome to Makers.dev episode number 52, that is the number of weeks in a year. Chris, how's
1: it going? It's going pretty well. This is this is our first episode after Thanksgiving, um, so had a bit of a break there and yeah, feeling pretty good. Yes,
0: took a week off. I don't have a ton to talk about work related because I have been traveling this entire time since the last episode. So you gave me some very good advice on hiring a personal assistant, pushing that forward because that accomplishes several different goals uh, and would help me have processes in place for talking to customers excellent advice as usual and i haven't pushed it forward at all and i could have i was traveling and you know i'm not traveling the whole time I, I was able to check email and stuff but we're gonna get that done this week well, hopefully next week i can tell you about my fancy personal assistant and the systems we have in place for them handling customer support email and getting me talking to customers
1: cool yeah i also took a bit of a break just did nothing for a few days which felt good um i picked up uh project hail mary which is the latest book by andy weir who wrote mm-hmm. martian um and yeah that was pretty good i i i liked his second book but not as much as the martian uh and this one kind of goes back to the martian a little bit it's you know like things happen to the protagonist and he has to solve them using you know science things and uh, uh <laughs> this, and... That's every sci-fi book <laughs> yeah i guess so i guess so um but uh but yeah i mean in the first so in the first like page he wakes up and he doesn't know where he is and so that's sort of the the intro to the book and so yeah he has to figure out where he is and what's going on and and fix it so that sounds fun
0: i love some good sci-fi would you recommend it
1: yeah yeah that's good um it's it's like 400 something pages but it reads pretty quickly so yeah it's good
0: i love some good sci-fi uh neat. I'll, I'll add that to my list. What did you get up to this last week? We talked about your final project, the toxic thing. What, what did you get up to?
1: Yeah. So I did a little work on the final project, just enough to get stuck. And then I had to put it on the back burner to finish my final lab for parallel systems, which is the other class I'm taking. Um, so I did mostly that and that I just turned in a couple hours ago. So, um, this last lab, I don't think we've talked about it yet. It was also in C++, but it was using something called MPI, which is message passing interface, um, hmm. which is sounds pretty generic. And it kind of is it's just like an it's like a API spec, basically. And there's several implementations of it. Um, Not just for C++ for other things as well. And like Fortran, for example. Um, And what it's used for is for distributing work across multiple processors, um, or processes. And so you can use it on a single, um, you know, like multi core processor, or you can use it like across many processes, processors. Um, So it's used like for supercomputers, for example, so you have like 10,000 cores, and you want them all to do useful work. So you, you know, get the, you wrap up the data that you want and then you send it over to them, you know, and then you tell them to do the work and then they do the work and then return, you know, some answer, um, back to your main process. So yeah, we did that. Uh, so we use that to solve the n body problem, which is like, if you have Ooh. some number of stars or planets, they all have a mass and then gravity acts on them. And then you track them over time steps. Like, so, you know, in a thousand time steps, where will it, what's the position of all of them? Um, which is kind of a solved problem, but, uh, parallelizing it is not trivial. So, mm. Um, yep. So we, that's what we did.
0: Uh, obligatory. Amazing that you're able to do this. That's so cool. Um, the, the body problem, I think is one of the classic hard problems in physics, uh, needs, even though you're like just implementing the, the solution. Like that's really cool. I have a lot of questions about MPI. I didn't know that that existed. It sounds like this is a way for currently running processes to pass data back and forth i'm imagining like a a redis queue like in rails if you're having background jobs you can have this asynchronous way of passing data back and forth between different systems so like you know your your front end web interface could spawn a job that then it's just the minimum metadata necessary to be able to run the job and then that queue is being listened to by another server which picks up that metadata and is able to actually do
1: the work and then it passes back the result of the operation. Is that right? Sort of. Yeah. So it's actually lower level than that. So you could implement something like Redis with it, but it's also like, it just defines primitives, like send, receive, uh, broadcast, like stuff like that. And, um, so you can implement a queue or you can do it in some other way. Um, yeah.
0: Okay. So it's a way for running processes to send arbitrary data to other running processes. Yep. Neat. I didn't know that was a thing. It's like uh, HTTP, but in the lower level than that. It is,
1: yeah. Um, and it reminds me a lot of CUDA, actually, which is probably why we did CUDA first. Because mm-hmm. with CUDA, you have all these processes, or process like cores. And you know which one you are based on your like your block and your thread in CUDA. Mm-hmm. And this one, you know which processor you are based on your rank. So every processor is given a rank from, it's just a number from zero to number of processors, mm-hmm. minus one. Um, and so like in for what i did the rank zero process is like the main process which like gathers the data and sends it to all the other process uh, you know things and since you know your rank you can be like if i'm rank you know greater than zero then i'm a worker and i need to do these steps if i'm you know process zero then that's i send the data and collect it back from the workers got it interesting i am curious about the
0: type of data you're sending is it is it could i say something like uh here's this big old json file of all of my data i'm gonna pass a process just a a link the the path to that file and information on where it should start and where it should stop doing this parallel work or can i do i do i pass the entire json file or do i just focus on metadata i think is my question
1: yeah, so in C++, anyway, you have to pass a contiguous contiguous block of memory of a certain size. So it's like, I okay. think, f- fixed length arrays. So um, if you took your JSON file, turn it into a fixed length array of C++, you know, so it has to be same type. Or, or you could put it into, a, like, an array of chars. So if you're just doing, like, bytes, like, so mm-hmm. put it into an array of bytes, and then you send the whole array of bytes over. Um, so it's up to you whether you send the whole array with, like, start indexes, or if you send, like, just a chunk of the array or whatever, you just send, you know, i am sending you this data and this much of it okay. and then send it and that's it, it
0: the only criteria is the the memory block that i'm sending has to be sufficient for the the sub process to be able to do its work right. and i guess you could get creative of you know you could send a, a memory block that is a
1: url and then the subprocess has to download a file and then do the work on it sure yeah you could do that yeah if you want um okay yeah you, you want to like so for this one in particular we have to create a to solve the n body problem with so the algorithm we're using is called barnes hut so n body problem is really n squared for brute force there's a type called barnes hut which is n log n um there are other types as well but so we're using that one and a part of that you create like this tree of planets basically um based on how far away they are from each other okay and uh you somehow have to get either the whole tree or part of the tree to a another process. And so it's kind of up to you whether you send the whole tree or you send just part of the tree and how you break that up. Um, Sending the whole tree is easy because you just send the whole thing. But uh, like there's some communication overhead because it's actually sending bytes, you know, over a a socket. I think I actually don't even know what it uses Uh, probably, Mm -hmm. you know, like a Unix socket um, to the other processor. So you have to watch your, you know, your sending time if you send the whole thing.
0: That's surprising that it's sending any data because this is running on the same machine it's just passing between cores and presumably the cores have this access to the same memory.
1: Yeah. So it's designed to go across multiple processors. And so it doesn't, it doesn't know that they're on the same machine. Like they could be across, like in a supercomputer, they could be distributed across, you know, like 10,000 processors on multiple chips, you know, that don't share any Ram.
0: Interesting. So when I, when I pass. A block of memory. I'm not passing a reference to that block of memory. I'm passing the data yeah. in that block, and then that data yep. is copied. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah. Now I since think you could do some really clever things with like, you know, if, if every core is acting on the same chunks of memory, you could get creative and
1: fast. So yeah, you you could actually. um I didn't explore that with my thing, but since I do know that these are all running on the same actual like uh processor, just with multiple mm-hmm. cores. Then, as long as I allocate memory, like in the actual RAM and not in cache or whatever, then mm-hmm. you could just share an address to that. Um, oh, so you could, you could have done that, I suppose. Okay, um, but that also kind of wasn't part of the lab. The lab was like to try okay. to figure out how it's normally used, which is not like that. So
0: that's fair. That makes yeah. sense. And that, the easiest thing to do would just be every subprocess gets a copy of the entire tree. That's then, the easiest thing, yeah. Okay, and then it it returns the entire tree. So when i imagine you have to implement a listener in the main process mm-hmm. for messages coming back after the
1: sub processes are done yep Am I using the right terms the, yeah. the main process and the sub process okay yeah um yeah they're all uh, according to mpi they're all like siblings but i just okay. designated the zero one at the primary one and all the rest is workers um okay. but yeah exactly so it sends the easiest way to do it which is how i did it is just in order send the data to each process and then in order listen for the response from each process so that's the easiest way Um, there are asynchronous ways to send and receive Um, that gets a lot more complicated because then you need like asynchronous listeners and stuff um so yep neat how
0: cool that there's that http communication layer at that super low level uh i didn't know that existed I don't know when I would ever use that, but that's cool to know that that, <laughs> that, yeah. that exists. I think if I was ever trying to solve the problem, I would, I might like write data to files or uh, I might I might go to a database. I might actually like use mm-hmm. Redis on my local machine and then yeah. just just pass the data like that. Um, MPI, I guess is a, a system level protocol. So there would be like a, a Ruby API for talking in MPI.
1: Yeah, I actually didn't, let's see, Ruby MPI. Let's see if that exists. Uh, it does exist cool um, so that's kind of cool yeah when
0: ha- after having used this and solved the problem with it mm-hmm. when would you reach for this tool what sort
1: of problem um, if I had system? something that was very easily parallel parallelizable and I didn't want to deal with threads then this is good for that because it basically okay. gives you th- gives you threads without shared memory sort of I mean they're multiple process processes so okay. um, they're, they're actually not quite as good as threads because in a hyper-threaded machine which most things are now you can run like multiple threads on the same processor like the same core mm. um, but you can't run multiple processes on the same processor at the same time because there's okay. only one execution path um, so you're actually limited by hyperthreading um, but yeah if I, I mean it, it was a relatively painless way to get data from one process to another cool yeah
0: I don't think I'd ever use this but it's <laughs> cool yep. yeah I would do I would do multi-threaded stuff before and like i can count on the fingers of one hand the number of times that i've needed to reach for threads yeah. uh to solve problems like yeah. this so okay. also
1: now that i've done cuda um i would probably reach for cuda first actually um because mm. with cuda i have ten thousand cores instead of just my 12 or whatever sure sure. so yeah interesting
0: cuda was the one that uh it's it's like messaging back and forth in sub
1: processes, and it's it's super lightweight threads Remember uh, what so, that was? No, no, no. So CUDA is for the GPU, and so it's like, how do you tell 10,000 cores your GPU to do something? Oh, like yes, okay, yeah.
0: I completely misremembered what that was. Good, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. GPU, GPU coding, I think would come first for me as a, a skill set to learn. That's especially now that I have this fancy new M1 Max with 32 cores. My gosh, it's just sitting, sitting there doing nothing right now. uh I kind of use it for some uh video editing thing for my robot that edits this podcast but i'd like to be using that more um neat what else uh i have in my notes project hail mary what uh, tell me tell me about that
1: yeah that was the book that i talked about early so that was the... yes
0: that's right yep. that's yep. right uh okay yes that's those are all my notes that for stuff with you uh i'd like to give you an update on a new segment of makers of dev called dude where's my car <laughs> and, oh yes where's your car? uh uh The current answer is, I don't know. I don't know where my car is. I have sent a certified letter. I sent it through lob.com. And at first I was like, ah, this is great. I have this cheeky way to send certified letters. I just upload this PDF and say what the address is. And then I get sent. And ah, so much easier than going to the post office. But then it took them like three or four days to send it. So then Mm -hmm. that's an extra three or four days before uh, the the 10 days that I need them to... I, I need her to receive the letter or delivery to be attempted, and then I need 10 days to pass before I can talk to the police about this and they care. So that added another four days to that process. And then it got sent from, like, Atlanta or something. So that took an extra couple days to get there. So I'm currently on day seven of when delivery was attempted, and the certified letters got returned to me uh, for two of the three addresses that I had from her, and the third one was in a different state, so she's probably not there. Uh, But someone did accept it at that address, so I I Hmm. don't know what that is. Uh, So... That's where we are. <laughs> I'm waiting another three days before that the 10 days have elapsed since delivery was attempted at those two addresses. And then I can go to the police and say, hello, someone has stolen my car. And I asked them very politely with a certified letter if they would give it back. And here is that letter. It was returned. And uh, please help me get my car back. And then I think what the police are going to say is we don't care because... Yeah. People are getting murdered in your city. And that's much more important. And then I'll say, fair point. Uh, but I sure would like to get my car back. Is there someone else I can talk to? And they'll probably say, no, we don't care. And I also talked with uh, Hire Car, the company who I rented the car out from. And I said, hello. Uh, I sure would like my car back. Here's what I'm doing. Are you doing anything to help me get my car back? And they said, you can file a police report. And I said, yes, yes, I know. I, I'm doing that. But are you doing anything? And they said, yes, we have a recovery team that will help you get your car back. And I said, okay, great. But like, what are they doing? And they said, uh, well, you can forward the police report to us. And I said, <laughs> okay, but what am I... What, what happens after I file the police? Like, what, what are you going to do with that? And they said, well, then the recovery team will help you find your car. And I said, yes, yes, yes. But like, what specifically... Are they going to do after I forward you the police report? And they said, "Uh, we don't have specifics on what their exact processes are." And then they hung up. <laughs> oh no! They uh, hung up. It was a it was a text chat, so I have uh, oh, okay. the whole transcript. But yeah, this uh, it kind of sucks. And oh, I also got hit with the whammy of uh, I got my my toll tag bill, and it was like a hundred and fifty dollars because this this uh-huh. person's still like driving around, and uh. Yeah, that's, that's where we are. And it sucks. And do you sell I'm a GP- to get a little angry. Do you sell a GPS tracker in the car? I do, but it died. And it wasn't uh, hooked up to the main electricity. I, I had the battery on it. And it was a champ. It was supposed to only last for like the, the, the two days of the original rental. And then I was like, oh, I'll do another day and uh, I'll, I'll tune the battery settings update so that it'll last about that long. And uh, so I have GPS data from the first several days. And that's kind of useful because I can see that she was parking it at one of the addresses that i have for her yeah. so that's probably where the car is and then it died and i think if i do this in the future i would hook that up to the main electrical system of the car and also they have that type of tracker uh can also have a remote shut off for the car right. and i think the way that works is you put it in the fuse box and then it can shut the fuse off uh so it can just like disable the starter of your car so i could i could remotely make it so that the the car doesn't start uh and if i had that that would feel much more useful because then you know the first time the car is an hour late i say hello uh your car is off uh i'm I'm coming to pick it up unless you uh and, and charge you for the extra pickup cost unless you send me more money and then uh your car will work again um yeah that's where we are that's what we're doing
1: yeah this is a another uh another reason to do digital products. I think <laughs> so much easier. Yeah,
0: man. That's a, that's a really big takeaway I'm taking from this of like, yeah, it was cool that I made $400 in a couple days from this car. And I've just been hunting for ways to turn money into more money of like, I've really struggled in reinvesting in my business just cause I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just a little baby spender in business expenses. Like this personal assistant is going to be one of the first major things that I've done. Um, but this is not worth it. this is not, this is not a good answer. and I don't think real right. estate is either. Um, so I think I think the answer is I need to figure out how to spend money on my business and uh, going through experiments like this has helped me feel revitalized in that that like there's not really an easy way to spend money to make more money. that's that's kind of like what stocks are is admitting that like I don't know how to right. spend this money to turn it into more money. Please businesses turn it into more money for me. Uh, give me just a fraction of the money that you're making because you as a business know how to how to do that um, and I'd like to be able to do that I'd like to be able to figure out like okay I have $5,000 I'm going to turn this $5,000 into more than $5,000 and I'm going to do that by spending it how might I spend $5,000 to make more than $5,000 really easy things to do are things like buy books like Michelle Hansen deploy empathy uh, and that's not a very like that's a trivial amount of money and a lot of time yeah and i'd love to find more ways to spend more money and save more time and then just do a lot more of that my time is not scalable and my money is
1: yeah i agree and i don't know the answer um i suppose you could ask some rich people they've probably figured this out (laughs) but i don't
0: Let's interview some rich people the next yeah. time we're uh, on or... this podcast. <laughs> it, there,
1: there is sort of an interesting, um, so uh, the Indie Hackers podcast just released uh, a an episode with Sampar and someone else. It's, it's actually an episode of, oh, Julian Shapiro, right, uh, is Cortland is doing the, they call it the Brains podcast. Hmm. Um, anyway, and the one that they sort of cross-linked on in the Indie Hackers podcast stream is all about money um and so these are people with more money than us talking about money um and so it's it's kind of interesting um they actually had the the question at the end you know if if i had ten thousand dollars today and i wanted to turn that into money what would i do um and the answers are are going to disappoint you um it was basically invest that in myself and hustle for a year (laughs) that's basically (laughs) their answer um
0: yeah. yeah if i could think of more ways to invest in myself i would do it uh i don't know like man i i'm a single dude i uh I'm dating someone and it's a very good relationship. It's going well, but like we are not yet thinking about a family and I I sort of loosely have in the back of my mind, like, okay, yes, I'd like to save for college, but right now I I just have a lot of money and I don't know what to do with it. (laughs) Uh, traveling is a thing I can do with it to enjoy it, but I've, I've got some money that I can slosh around to do stuff. Um, and I don't know what to do and I'd like to figure that out. Um, I'll, I'll check out the podcast of, uh, how to how to spend more money but like yeah re- investing in myself if there was i think you're doing this very intelligently with this master's program that's a that's a high quality way to spend money to be reinvesting in yourself that's a and that's that's a that's a good chunk of money that's going to turn into a good chunk of personal improvement um it, it's, it's also i'll
1: on. say like there's a huge opportunity cost so i mean mm-hmm. i'm investing money and time um yeah. so that's important to to recognize too but yeah sounds like you should buy a bunch of nfts uh don't do that but uh, <laughs> that's a terrible I think, idea i think that's what a lot of people with a lot of money right now are like what should i do buy crypto and nfts yeah.
0: i'd like to go on record by saying that nfts have a lot of potential it's a very cool idea and i think if you're buying a ten thousand dollar jpeg right now that's probably a really dumb idea uh, <laughs> i know people who have made a lot of money from it and i don't think it's going to be sustainable that's, that's my that's my take i i agree <laughs> Uh, neat. What else? I uh I, I want to say just a few things about the road trip I took. I, I went to go visit my aunt in Oklahoma, and we took the Tesla. And the Tesla is such a nice car for road trips. And the Tesla is such a terrible car for road trips. Hmm. The reason it's great is it's electric and it drives itself. So it's just the easiest experience I've ever had as a driver. You just set it. You're going on the highway. You, you tap the right stalk twice, and then you're going. And it's Man, I, it drove 95% of the way, and I just have the basic package, so if I spent another 10 grand for their updated silver package, which just seems outrageous, uh, it could also go on and off the highway for me, and in a couple months, it might be able to go end-to-end. So just like from my door to their door, uh, it could go a little way. That part's great, and then it's there's all these fun features of like, if you want to play music, it's such a good in-car entertainment system. The mapping system is great. I love having that huge screen. Uh, it's it's so nice. The bad part is I had to stop for gas uh, or or uh, fuel like six times more than I would have in a mm-hmm. gas-powered car. I think in a gas-powered car for the entire trip, I may have only had to stop for gas once with the Tesla. On the way there, I had to stop three times. And then I had to find a, a destination charger near my hotel that I had to like run across the parking lot to go to, and it was really cold. Uh, and then that shut off in the middle of the night, and I still don't know why. And then on the way back, I think I had to stop four times and it was only like a four hour drive that turned into a six hour drive because of all those stops. So that part is not fun. And I think it'll get fixed with higher battery life. So I I have like the cheapest possible Tesla I could get and it's uh, a 220 miles of range. And if if I had like another 50 miles of range, I think I could have saved two of those stops. I had to go like way out of the way to make sure that I was following Tesla superchargers. But I, I felt a little bit like, Oh, this is, this is a cutting edge thing. This is, uh, I'm, I'm being an early adopter here. This is the battery tech is not super convenient. And the spacing of the superchargers isn't super convenient. I had no option in the route that I took. I had to go a, a specific way to make sure that I was hitting the superchargers. Um, but I'm excited for the future, and I think it's only going to get better.
1: Yeah, um, I think, yeah, it'll only get better, I think. I'm really interested in the Rivian. They just released their truck, um, and then mm. they have their SUV coming out. Uh, the truck has an option for 400 miles of range, um, which is seems really cool. Uh, but they have, I think, zero chargers <laughs> right now. Uh, they, mm. they have the idea to build out a network like Tesla's. But, um, yeah, currently it would be a, a pretty awful experience for a road trip. They do have, you can plug into, like, there's a network of, chargers like just generic chargers everywhere mm. that, that you can plug into um but um but that is so there there's a really neat youtube video i can't remember who it was by uh, but they took a gas-powered car a tesla and a non-tesla electric yes. car
0: oh by marquis brownlee i think is his name yes okay
1: yeah was he it i couldn't remember if he did it or someone else um and the the tesla did okay kind of like you the gas powered one because they didn't have to stop for electricity as much of course. Uh, but the but the non-tesla one had a lot of trouble they they went to like uh chargers that were broken like two or three of them were broken um in mm-hmm. the like that status wasn't updated so the thing that tesla has is they have instant status on your dashboard like they know if they're if their charges are down yeah um, uh,
0: so yeah that part of it was great i i from watching that video i think two of the chargers that the non tesla went to were broken and at some places only one of the four options even when they got to a station that was working only one of the four was actually working tesla's network is great it shows you as long as you're using the mapping system it's always going to work it's Uh, usually ahead of schedule of the estimates that it gives you. So like the amount of time it takes, it says it'll take, uh, it usually takes less. The car is very intelligent about preconditioning the battery, which I I still don't fully understand. I think it might be heating it up so that it's easier to charge. Or would batteries be, batteries would be easier to charge when they're warm.
1: But batteries like to run at a certain temperature. And so it'll either heat it up or cool it down based on what the outside temperature is. Okay, that makes
0: sense. Yeah, so so, uh, I'll see like, you know, 45 minutes before actually getting there it'll say preconditioning the battery for supercharging and then uh it's it's much faster than uh if it's it, cold or hot <laughs> oh.
1: it also may be rebalancing actually if it's preconditioning specifically for charging it may be rebalancing oh, the things so that it can charge like if you have one of your chunks of cells that are depleted if yeah. it charges that with the other cells then you could charge all the i don't know what the chunks are called but all of the, the chunks at the, at the time yeah okay
0: yeah, and that seems like it would be more efficient cuz now you're you can use more bandwidth. I imagine like each cell can only charge at a certain rate. Right. So if you have one chunk of batteries that are full and another chunk of batteries that are empty, you can only charge at the rate of one chunk whereas if you had two chunks that were 50% full, you could charge at the rate of two chunks. Yep. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That's a yeah. Yeah, so that's that's probably what it's doing. Um and I think it'll get there and like yeah, if if I it, if you had something like the Rivian with 500 miles, like okay, but yeah, 400, uh, that's a good chunk of driving to do in a day. So you just fully charge your car at your house and then you do the 400 mile drive. And then once electric cars are more fully adopted, wherever you're going is also going to have an electric charger. So you just get to the place and then you plug it in at that place. And then it charges overnight, even if it's slow okay, great. Now you're charged the next day and then you drive around to the place and then you park there again and you plug your car in. And then when you're going back home, it's fully charged and you just go all the way back. And now, now it's easier and faster than a car, but we're, we're in that in-between stage where it's not, it's, you know, your, your trips are going to take 20 to 40% longer. Um, but I like it because Teslas are really cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, that's another reason I haven't just bought an electric car too. Well, not in the cost of fortune, but our, our our vans working just fine and I know if I get one like I'll have to worry about that on road trips so yeah use the van till it dies and then uh, then there'll be a plethora of options and lots of chargers uh, for me to choose from later
0: yeah. we may have talked about this before does your van have lane keep assists
1: no it's 2013 so it was before kind of all that oh, okay okay um, so yeah it's for, missing self-driving but
0: what for cars that have lane keep assists and adaptive cruise control you can use a... I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. You can use a third-party... Yeah, yeah, I definitely have uh, a third-party self-driving package called Kama. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just installed the Kama 3 on Sarah's car, and that would have been so much more practical to take on this trip, because you would have had all the benefits of a gas car, and the benefits of self-driving, and uh, Kama's... Their their new device is really interesting, because it has a... A, a fisheye lens facing you that can also see out of all the windows. Mm. So the advantage of the Tesla, I think, is like, oh, yeah, 360 cameras, and it's like the six-camera integrated system. But the comma theoretically, would be able to be just as good of a driver. It's just about the software. And it's it's so interesting to me. It's, it's such a clever solution to this problem of how do you get cars to drive themselves. Um, because, like, the, the comma's vision is better than a human's vision because it's seeing all around all the time. And uh, it's able to see, I think, further out into the distance. We just have a, a better processor. Um, and it's it's kind of in a more central location. You, you put it on your dashboard. So it's, or on the, uh, like right under your under your mirror. Um, so from that position, seeing all the way around the car, you would have better vision than a human with a neck uh, looking around with their two eyes. And the, the Comma 3 has uh, three different cameras, so. It uh, makes me very optimistic about the future of self-driving. I think we're very close to a future where just for uh, a couple hundred or a couple thousand dollars, you can plop a package in there, and then your car can drive better than you can. Uh, that's very exciting. Cool, yeah. practical use hmm. of machine learning.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know they had that. Um, I am thinking, though, like when we go on long road trips with the kids, we usually uh, stuff the car until I can't see out the back. I mean, I, I, <laughs> we don't do that with the van as much, but, uh, yeah, yeah, for for cars that do that, then... Uh, you wouldn't be able to the comma three you wouldn't be able to see yeah i out no.
0: uh, an outside camera system would uh would have the advantage there that's that's funny yeah that would be a problem uh it would still be able to see out the side so uh, sure. i think it, it would still be able to see your blind spot and make lane changes for you and that kind of thing uh, what else I have, I have two more things i just want to mention the first is i got to hang out in barbados for a week with shy Shechter the co-founder of right message and uh, it was super cool hanging out with him. Sarah and I enjoyed like serving, and we did a bunch of like Barbados stuff. And uh, I was struck by, in Barbados, that very relaxed pace of the country. Hmm. Uh, I'll give you an example. There is a restaurant right by the apartment that I was staying in called Gap Burger. And the only thing they sell is burgers. And uh, the, there would be a huge line going up to this place, and the, the person would go up and be standing there for a while... And uh, then the, the man behind the counter at Cat Burger would say, uh, finally, after, you know, like five minutes of just standing there like, oh, hello, uh, how's it going? What would you like? And they would say, I'd like a burger, please, because that's all you sell. And he'd say, great. And he would take a burger patty raw and uh, put it on the grill. And he'd be there chatting to him and he'd, you know, cook one side of the patty and cook the other side. And he say, oh, like, what would you like in your burger? And he'd take the patty and put it on. And he's waiting for the burger to cook and goes, and, oh, OK, here, here we go. Here's your burger. Um, that'll be this much money. And then take the money and give it back. And then the second person comes up. And uh he's just hanging up for a little while. And then he's like, Hello, what would you like? And they say, I'd like a burger. <laughs> it's, it's the thing that you order here. He's like, Great. And he put put the other patty on. And an experience like that happened maybe a dozen times while I was there. And for the first two days, it just drove me crazy. Because I was like, no, there's there's twenty ways to further paralyze, parallelize this process of like you're doing it serially like you can cook on several burgers at once and take multiple orders and you know be doing the money more asynchronously oh my gosh it was just it was just dragging on me and it was just so slow just the number of the number of minutes that i spent just like standing in front of a person while they were doing something oh man it just it just killed me and it but th- I, I, I like put myself in the moment and was like, okay, no, this is just the pace of the Island. And this it's it's a vacation. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I realized like, oh, it doesn't matter if this is taking a long time. Cause like the next thing I'm do- going to is also going to be just as relaxed. Um, this is, just a, a very chill country. Uh, but it got me thinking like, I spent so much of my life and time and, and career on just getting these little tiny micro improvements. And how can I make this thing just a little bit faster? Uh, and, more than any other travel I've done recently, I think I, I got struck by, oh, other parts of the world like don't work this way. Um, that my my ideals of things are better if they're faster and cheaper and more systematized don't necessarily hold. Maybe this guy at Gatburger is optimizing for something else like happiness or like not being stressed out or like socializing with people. Uh, a cultural thing in Barbados is people get really offended if you see them and you don't stop to talk to them and like say hello and have an extended conversation and ask them how they're doing um and that's kind of nice and it's a it's a different ideal than i have and it's optimizing for different things uh yeah but it, that that was what i was struck by in barbados very relaxed country I'm, I'm sort of like questioning now this ethos i have of trying to do things uh trying, trying to do a lot of things and try to do them quickly and cheaply
1: yeah just take some of your money you're trying to to make into more money and just go live on barbados for a year or something <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was
0: i don't know it's it's not my pace i like i like <laughs> yeah. things faster yeah. uh I'm, i've met people with a faster pace than me and that's too fast but um, it was cool to see the other side of that of like wow this is this is way too slow uh one more thing i wanted to mention i'm reading steve jobs biography and uh i know it came out several years ago but this is when i'm getting around to reading it really interesting he, he like he's kind of a terrible person uh yeah. really mean and uh in the book one of his ex uh women who he had a relationship with suspected that he had narcissistic personality disorder and i was like oh yeah i see a lot of that As he's got the idealization and devaluation cycles and the splitting of something is either terrific and fantastic or it's terrible and awful and it sucks. Um, and there's, there's very little nuance in between there and reading his story. Like he got really fortunate with Apple computer in the early days and then kind of stagnated for like a decade. Um, and was doing stuff with Pixar and was doing stuff with the next, but, and made a ton of money, but like only really entered the the public sphere again when he came back to Apple and, uh, that's when you get like the iPod and the iBook and the PowerBook and you get the simplification of the, the Apple uh, product line. He, he drew that grid of like professional and consumer and uh, desktop and uh, mobile computing. And okay, those are the four products we're going to focus on. Um, all the things that I feel like people know Steve Jobs for happened, you know, after he was 40. And I think that's really cool that that the up until then, I feel like he was, a much smaller CEO that had really done like two things really well. Um, and had failed at almost everything else was, was a very bad leader uh, was bad at, at uh, <laughs> helping people feel good about the, the work they were doing and uh, organizing people. So it, it, it felt good to feel like, all right, I uh, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing well. <laughs> It's uh, the the existence of people more successful than me doesn't mean that like that's something I could never get to. But also more importantly, like don't compare myself uh, to to other people. Um, this is a, a book that I think you read. What were your thoughts about the Steve Jobs biography? If you remember any tidbits?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know if I read the whole thing or just part of it or something. But um, I remember bits of it. Uh, one thing is like he people remember him for Apple obviously, but he made almost all of his money from Pixar, which is like super interesting. <laughs> that's um, right. Yeah. And i didn't even know he was involved in pixar before you know hearing from that um uh, and then like he yes he so he was ousted from apple famously and then he formed pixar next um and then the only reason he was allowed back into apple was because he brought next with him basically and that became yep. like the yeah um so yeah it's very interesting also have you seen the movie the pirates of silicon valley yes yeah yeah that, that is a great movie um that describes the early days of apple i think really well and microsoft um mm-hmm. and uh yeah, it's very interesting it, he is a he was a terrible person like by, by all accounts <laughs> um uh so yeah it's just, it's it is always interesting to sort of yeah, read biographies of famous people
0: i enjoy it i like to be doing that more he made his dents in the universe yeah and i was reading it on the plane and started looking around at one point of like how many things can i see that were made by the company that he built and grew mm and i saw directly in front of me there were uh two iphones and i could tell because of that distinctive notch and then to my left there was someone listening to something on airpods and i couldn't see what device they had but it was probably an iphone and then in front of me to the left there was someone uh with an ipad watching a movie i think on apple tv uh yeah like wow it's and then i was listening to his book on uh the airpods um and the the phone that i had was like inspired very much by work that he did on the iphone he kind of invented that product category like amazing uh but also he was a terrible father <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know what to think about that uh and you know mismanaged his health and sort of had these these woo ideas of um he he thought that he ate a vegetarian diet he didn't need to shower
1: uh not just vegetarian i think it was like order. all f- i think it was like all fruit diet or something like that how it interesting th- yeah
0: <laughs> yeah okay yeah.
1: yeah uh yeah oh
0: it's just it's got me thinking about what success means especially when Contrasted with the, the Barbadian attitude. I think we get to define what success means for us. And I'm excited to do that. That's next week by following through with the work that we set out the, on the last episode of uh, I'm going to push forward my personal assistant. I think that's a very good spot to be spending money to be making more money.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a, a good first step. Yep. I, I'm also as you were talking about how he was a terrible person. I was struck how like most most uh, billionaires are probably like terrible people uh in some way or another so like yeah bezos uh musk in some ways is kind of a jerk um is a real jerk uh bill gates uh used to be he was like a real jerk and then he seemed nice but it turns out maybe he's actually been a jerk the whole time (laughs) um yeah yeah i don't know they talk about this in a book called the psychopath test of this idea that
0: our society rewards you for being a jerk Mm, yeah the the qualities that Like being a ruthless CEO who's able to just fire people and not care about them. And like, that's kind of the quality that you need to be able to make a machine that's going to make the most money. It's kind of the opposite of being successful in Barbados. It's how ruthless can you be? And how mechanistic can you be? And how well can you follow and optimize systems? Uh, And it turns out the type of person who's able to do that the best could probably get diagnosed as a psychopath. (laughs) It's just the, the, the reason we don't do that is that they're not directly murdering people they're like making money and running businesses that give us cool stuff uh but it's it's the same type of person it's 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 the same diversion from neurotypical brains that can either make you a very successful ceo or makes you a serial murderer
1: that's crazy that's funny to think about i mean not funny but it's yeah it's something <laughs> <laughs> that
0: sounds a lot like a psychopath to find that funny chris that's... <laughs> Uh cool. That's all I got for this week. That's all I got too. Then I'll see you next week. Goodbye.